Osiris. I always felt like I had to hide my motherhood because I thought that was showing my incapability in some way. And seeing other people have to wrangle their families in the background has been amazing because now I have to draw lines. Whereas before, I would constantly be pushing my limits where I wasn't able to be around as much. Hi, this is Maggie Rose. You're listening to Salute the Songbird on Osiris Media. Salute the Songbird is a platform for women in music to share their stories and let their voices be heard. And everyone has a seat at the table. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Salute the Songbird. I'm your host, Maggie Rose, and if you happen to hear a light breeze or some leaves rustling in the background, it's because I'm taking some time, my first weekend off in months, to just soak in the moment and make room for some gratitude and contemplation and some rest, to be honest, because we've been working really hard, but I just want to say how privileged I feel to be able to do what I do and that's not just with my music and touring but what I get to do with you here on Salute the Songbird. I get to speak to women all throughout the industry who are so admirable and who inspire me to do what I love and it's nice to just take a moment to remind myself of that and being a little bit better rested does help with processing all of those emotions but oftentimes on this show I'm speaking with the artists who make the music that we love, that are the soundtracks of our lives. Or I'm speaking with the songwriters who offer their truth and poetry to establish that connection that we can only really find in music. Or I'm speaking to the producers who see all the colors and moving parts and help pull together that arrangement that allows artists to present their music in line with their vision. Or I'm speaking with the DJs who give the platform to the artists so that they can share their music and curate those playlists that we listen to every day. But I don't often get to speak to the movers and shakers who are behind the scenes doing such incredible work, but maybe in a slightly less visible way. I think these are the women who are pulling open the curtain so that others can shine. But today I'm speaking to one of those very women. Her name is Nicole Barcelona. She's the director of Everyday Rebellion Entertainment. I love that name. It's an artist management firm and indie label. She's also the president of Women in Music, a nonprofit organization committed to advancing equality, visibility, and opportunities for women in music. And I can't think of a mission more on brand with Salute the Songbird than that. Nicole is from a family of rock and roll royalty. Her father was a legendary music promoter and her mom was a music journalist. So naturally, she would gravitate to the music industry, right? But no. She's a self-described Alex P. Keaton of her family. She reluctantly gave in after her first job with the one and only Stephen Van Sant. He was part of the E Street Band and that show, The Sopranos. But we talked about balancing a career in the music industry, one that might include having a family, and the importance of having a mentor, not just as a woman, but as an artist. We also talked about the work that Women in Music is doing to level the playing field and the brands that understand the importance of lifting up women in the musical arts. Not just those on stage, but women behind the music as well, like producers and engineers. 
You might remember my conversation with Noelle Skaggs about Diversify the Stage. Nicole is a wonderful ally to Noelle. So let's learn more about this incredible organization, get to know Nicole a little bit better. And once again, thank you so much for being a Salute the Songbird listener. I'm gonna do what I wanna do. Say what I wanna say. Live how I wanna live. I was lucky I actually have a mom who was a British rock journalist and a dad who was an agent for the first rock agency in the U.S. And they met through their work with the Beatles. And so my upbringing was like around artists all the time and on the road in the summer. And so I had a non-traditional upbringing. And then I was like, Stephen Van Zandt calls me like the adult and like the Alex P. Keaton of the family because I was like the organized one. I was like more corporate. You know, I was like telling them to turn down the music at night and I ended up going into planning to go into crisis communications and corporate communications. And then I took an internship with Stephen Van Zandt at his company, Renegade Nation. The summer after I graduated college, it was just supposed to be a week, like temp gig to help on this festival he was putting together in New York. And I was like addicted. I was like, oh my gosh, how did I think a nine to five in an office in corporate clothing was going to be what I wanted to do? This is my home. So that's amazing. It was just supposed to be a week. It was supposed to be a week. And I was up until four in the morning working with the bands on like artist relations stuff. And I was just like, yes, this is, yes, this is what I'm used to. I also like can't wake up in the morning. You know, like I'm not, I'm now I have a daughter, so I am, but like I wasn't geared toward anything else. I think late nights and being on the road and that's just kind of was home for me. So also tour management is physically challenging work as well. I mean, you have to be a very detail oriented person, but just like you're talking about the sleep schedules, you're traveling with the band. So you're going through the rigor of right. uh, what touring requires of artists as well. And I think that's one of the hardest jobs and a job that not a lot of women are characteristically filling. And you don't see a ton of women tour managing, although I think that they should be because of the need for detail orientation and all of that. And then you became one of the leaders of the company shortly after. Yeah. I mean, Steven's company was like a multifaceted, pretty typical music company. We did like 8 billion things. You know, everyone did a million things. Everyone wore a bunch of hats. And so I ended up becoming his executive assistant and then kind of overseeing operations and working on, you know, the day-to-day at the company while also touring with him and the E Street Band. So we did things like international and affiliate acquisition for his radio show. So we would be on tour with Springsteen in, let's say, Belgium. And, you know, in the morning, Stephen would get up crack of dawn and we'd go to a radio station there to pitch his radio show. And his he worked to this like incredible roster of international artists. He always is like, he's an amazing advocate for emerging artists. So he had all of these awesome artists on his label. And so we'd be pitching different distributors and we'd be in record stores in all these markets. And then we'd go to the show in the evening for him to get on stage and run that. And it was a pretty incredible existence for the five years that I did it. But then I was pooped <laughs> and had right. to step away. I had to like assess whether I wanted to stay in the music business because I wanted to have a family one day. And I knew that that was going to be a priority for me. And I didn't know if that was going to be sustainable, the life I was living. And I took a year off and got back in and decided I was going to try to figure out how to craft it the way I wanted to do it. I saw this panel at South by Southwest called Moms in Music. And it was this group of female artist managers who were also parents. And I was like, holy crap, I can do this. 
And so that storytelling piece became really important for me. And when I found Women in Music and leaned on the resources that the organization offered, I realized that storytelling piece is really key for so many people and how they see their career evolving and how they see the possibilities in front of them and how they can kind of craft their own story around that. So that's so awesome. That's cool that you were able to step back with that experience and take your own approach because I think what you do with your company everyday rebellion is really cool because it's not just your personal relationship with the artists that you're managing. You're also an advocate. You're a consultant to other people. You're helping with development, which I feel like is a bit of a lost art in the industry and on the label side a lot is just having that mentorship program, which I want you to talk about women in music's mentorship program. Cause I think that's a really exceptional um, opportunity that you offer younger people who need to see themselves as viable candidates for these jobs. Yeah. I think it's really hard, you know, as an artist, like you need that person, whether it's a manager or someone else to like stick with you in the early days. Right. Because that's when it's hardest. And if you don't have right. the social following or a TikTok hit or whatever the heck, you know, is the next thing that people are just like clawing for that makes you feel like you've made it. It's like such a longer tail story that you're trying to craft. And it's like a mm. slow start and getting those pieces right is so important in that, you know, it's rare that people are able to kind of attach themselves to an artist early on and be in it for the long haul. So I think it's a really important thing, certainly on the artist development side, but for mentorship, I think, you know, that's one of the things that I was lucky to have growing up as these incredible women to look to. Michelle Anthony, who's at Universal now, was one of my mentors. Barbara Skydell, who was at Premier Talent Agency, she was like one of the first really powerful female agents in the business. And it was incredible to see them, you know, in the early days kind of command the respect and power that they did. On the flip side, I did kind of want to see a balance because my mentors did not have families and did not have that other piece that I was looking for. So I think finding people who you can look to who have whatever you're looking for is so important. So at Women in Music, we tried to kind of come up with this program where we link people based on kind of their goals and what area of the industry they want to be in. Hopefully when we're in person again, people can meet one-on-one again rather than just virtually and, and have a deeper connection. But we did a study with Berkeley College of Music back in 2018 or 2019 that showed that mentorship was really a transformational thing for women and was one of the data points that we thought like, okay, we can really build upon this. Um, And so let's craft this program. So we launched it and it's three month terms and you have a certain amount of prompts for each session with your mentor. And then there are kind of deliverables that you both bring to the table when you come out of it. So I think it's pretty powerful to be able to connect with someone, even just like... absolutely talk about their experience and help that guide you. We have a lot of people who are in the middle of their first 10 years. So, you know, somewhere around five to seven years in their career who like are overworked, overwhelmed, feel like they're maybe at companies that either have a toxic environment or just not the right fit for them. And they're like, what do I do? Where do I go next? And so that's a lot of where we see people really needing that transitional help. And also kind of at more senior levels when they really want to get over what they call the broken rung in the ladder. So like, when people have gotten to a certain level of their career, but they're just not at the top leadership stage yet. And like, what are those hindrances? Helping people kind of get over those humps as well. It's interesting that there's such a correlation between what happens on more of the business side and also on the artist side where you just need a little bit of that follow through. 
I was talking to your buddy, Noelle Skaggs, about this and her mentorship program that she's also doing with Diversify the Stage. And I know that you guys are corroborating each other's efforts. She loves you. But it's this idea that, you know, it's just the access path to finding what that specialization is. And artists also need just a little bit of tweaking as we're evolving. And we've been in our careers a long time having those resources and someone to just help you follow through to what it is that you're specifically good at. And I think that there are a lot of jobs in this industry that could be taken by women, but they just don't see themselves in those roles unless they have someone to kind of hold their hand because this is an industry, especially that doesn't have a template and it's constantly changing. You can't say, all right, this is the next step traditionally because there's not a lot of tradition. I think women in music is such a cool organization because it bears mentioning it's all over the world. You guys have chapters in Los Angeles, all the way to India and your members are all volunteers, correct? Yeah. I'll tell you a little bit of the structure. So we're a 501c3. So we are fueled by membership dues and sponsorships. And so that's a piece of the puzzle for us that is really exciting because we've been able to kind of grow to a place where we have these chapters all over the world. Our members are really diverse men, women, non-binary individuals. Everyone is welcome. And in fact, we have a lot of men in our program who are some of the people who come to us with job opportunities and really want to tap into hiring more women and more diverse women at that. And so we are really pushing toward equity across the board, not just under the gender equity umbrella anymore. And that's a really big focus for us. And it's been amazing. You know, the silver lining of the pandemic has been that we've been virtual now. So we've been able to see all of our members from all of the chapters all over the world come to these events. Like we have people coming in from our chapter in Romania or from Korea or, you know, just incredible to see people coming together and sharing like so many of the same needs and wants, but also really being able to learn from one another. We are a part of Meetem's Africa conference that's coming up in June. And we have our South Africa chapter leading a conversation that kind of extends across the continent about building an artist team and how incredibly different it is in different markets across Africa for someone to build a team versus what we're used to here, you know, and kind of learning more about global markets and how we can all work together and how we can bring one another business. It's just really exciting. It's an exciting time, I think, to be connecting the dots. And to your you point- just have to be a sponge, I imagine, too, with all the moving parts. And like you said, like there's no template, right, for this insane business that we work in. And so that's so true across the globe, too. So it's exciting to learn more about that. And like you said, with Noelle Skaggs, that's another piece of the puzzle is just connecting all of these organizations focused on equity and all working together has been really exciting, I think, for us and also for our members to get to learn about what other organizations are doing and how we're working together to kind of help push the needle even farther. I think access to information is everything because I don't believe that there's this insidious effort to keep women out of the fray. It's just how it's been inherently set up. You know, they're at the bars together, they're they're right. in the boys' room together, and that doesn't open up a lot of opportunity. But I think if we at least provide those resources to say, you can find us, we're available, right. then that will start to just yield the more inclusive environment that we want from everybody. 
just at least the effort, the consideration, I think would be really a nice direction to go in. And you talked about going virtual. You guys did this amazing event for Women's History Month in March where you had an all-day seminar with people like Brandi Carlisle and Brittany Howard of Alabama Shakes. And of course, Noelle was also part of that. And I think I have heard that a lot throughout the pandemic, that even though we're physically isolated, there has been this tremendous outreach from people who want to feel connected. So I'm so happy that you've sort of seen that manifest itself. But tell me about that event in particular, because it was such a success and it was very inspiring. Thanks. Yeah, that was really, really fun. You know, we usually do in-person events when we're in our own chapter silos and the virtual pivot, we started doing one, it was one to three events a week that were virtual, which was just way too many. But um, it was really exciting to get to program stuff and have it available to all of our members, whereas before it would only be available to like, let's say the 75 people in that room, which seems crazy. Mm -hmm. So that was cool. And, you know, we just worked with so many different people and organizations throughout the year on these events. And we saw everyone really coming together. And like, we were being pitched by so many organizations or publicists or individuals to be speakers. And so we saw this real kind of coming together to want to act as mentors or do fireside chats and offer like a Q&A to people who needed more information. And just this outpouring of support to try and help other people. So we really wanted for Women's History Month to bring all of those partners and friends together. And there were so many more aside from the people who were featured there. But it's just like a real call to action to show the strength in numbers of women in this business. Because I think a lot of the times we're painted as like either being competitive or being pitted against one another or like different organizations doing different things. But it's not the case. Like we really have this incredible network that is just entirely collaborative and overlaps on so much work we do. So we wanted to kind of showcase that, show the power in numbers, and just get to like tell everyone about some of the incredible other work that's going on from diversify the stage to change the conversation to Emily Lazar and her organization, We Are Moving the Needle, Gender Amplified, Ebony Smith. I don't know if you've spoken to her, but she is mind-blowing. I've seen a lot of the work that she's doing, but I haven't had a chance to meet her yet. Oh my God, she is like, and she brings this really academic view on stuff. She has this whole talk that she, we stumbled upon this conversation when we were recording for that event about using the metaphor of equipment in a studio to talk about power structures and how if you don't balance the power going through a piece of equipment when you're recording, things don't go well. And it being kind of a metaphor for the balance structure in the industry overall, she's just a hugely brilliant human being. Awesome. So we were able to kind of put everyone together for that event. And then we just worked with Electra, who I work with on a client, and they had some great female artists who wanted to be involved. And Brandy Carlisle said yes, which was mind-blowing. And then I just happened to talk to Christine Stoddard, who's Brittany Howard's manager. And like, this is the power of women coming together. It's like you're able to email or call a female artist manager and say, hey, do you think your artists would get involved in this event we're doing? And the answer is yes, because the artist and the manager and the team, you know, are kind of open-hearted and want to support the work. And so we were able to put those incredible, incredible artists together and have them kind of just showcase some of their talent and then support for the mission. Those women definitely walk the walk when it comes to supporting each other and making the climate of this industry just more inhabitable and inclusive. But also I think it's a testament to the work that you're doing that you can name these individuals, but that you have collaborative organizations who are joining with you. And it isn't siloed. It feels like you all are really linking arms and 
ego is not a factor. You're you're substantiating each other's efforts, which is really quite awesome to see. And I think that it's inspiring others to get involved. How many members do you have today? Do you know? It's a good question. Um, I think the last number we saw was like over 10,000 and those are paying members. So that's like really meaningful and powerful because, you know, it's $75 fee for an executive. So we appreciate the contributions. And to you, because you just hosted an event and donated uh, proceeds of the income to women in music. So thank you for that, because that kind of support just like fuels our mission and programming and means the world. Well, thank you. It felt like the obvious place to try and benefit because it was an event with other songbirds from season one and all these women on stage together playing a round, national in the round kind of format show. But it was also catharsis for me to see a lot of these women meet for the first time, physically get together after a year where we just couldn't even fathom doing something like that. And in the spirit of it, I'd like to do a lot more events like that because our list is growing and it's just fun to see how similar we all are and how different at the same time right in front of you. So thanks for letting us team up with you on that. And we hope to do many, many more events like that in partnership with you. I think that it's really cool to see specific ideas come to fruition, like the campaign that you did with Secret Deodorant, where this company realized that we need more female producers and we're pledging for our future campaigns to try and enlist female creators or identifying female artists as the composers or the producers putting these pieces of music together for their campaigns. Are there any other specific examples like that that you're excited about that you're seeing some of these brands pledge to do? You know, we work with a bunch of sponsors kind of throughout the year who come in. I have to say like DistroKid is one yeah. really huge supporter of all things creative. <laughs> um, I've seen them sponsoring a bunch of stuff across different organizations and they've been a great supporter of WIM and Michaela Allen, particularly over there, is just like a huge supporter and advocate and brilliant woman on her own right. And so we've been really thankful for them. TuneCore is also doing a lot of really cool stuff. They just put out actually a survey with some new data on female creators specifically and kind of the gaps there. And they're kind of working to build upon that framework to do a lot more. And so we've seen a lot of really cool brands within the music business. And then outside of it, you know, Secret was really cool and came to us with that. Um, I think I'd love to see what Noelle is doing more. I mean, even more so than what brands want to get involved with. I mean, we love and appreciate their support, but like seeing artists, like the work you're doing with this podcast, the work Noelle is doing, seeing artists come out and say like, this is what I want to see in my own venue. You know, these are the kind of people I want to see working around me and being hired, putting stuff like that into contracts that is just like so powerful because that also gives like the executives on the other side, the freedom to expect that as well. You know, it's just this incredible, powerful move. I think to see artists within our industry or companies like a distro kid, you know, coming out and saying like, we want to see more diversity, right? Things we're going to support. And for artists to be saying, these are the things we want to see happen when we're on stage. It's just like incredibly, incredibly powerful. I think it's an awareness that is 
relatively new. A lot of artists feel a little disconnected from that process, especially on a big, big tour. I know she's working with Mark Oglesby, who manages One Republic, and they do arena tours. A lot of times, those crews are packaged. They've just gotten off another crew, and it's basically like this outfit that just moves over because it's convenient, they're vetted, but it's not challenging the status quo a lot. And some of those jobs are being regularly vacated. And I think just asking the question is a good start and having a place to refer to where you can say, okay, I have all these resources that we can start to incorporate into my crew. You'll see a little change inherently happen. I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Nicole. I know I certainly did. But I want to point out an observation that acknowledges her open-mindedness and her innovation. She grew up with close proximity to the industry, her mother being a journalist, her father being a music promoter. And understandably, she had some preconceptions about the industry that I think she has since changed her mind about. And one of those was sort of that motherhood and music weren't compatible. But I love her story about going to South by Southwest and witnessing all those women on the Music and Moms panel change her mind. And she has put her newfound opinion into effect. And she's helped all sorts of women who have families who don't have families in the industry excel and have a little bit of an easier time with their ambitions. And I also love how she said, being women in the industry is the most powerful thing you can be. Because I believe a lot of times, especially with an organization called Women in Music or a podcast like Salute the Songbird that only has female guests but caters to everyone who wants to listen, people wrongly assume if they don't know that we're just bitching about all the ways in which it's harder for us. But we're not. We're conspiring to make it a better place. We're joining our minds and our thoughts and ideas together. We're linking arms to make it easier. And... I think we got to always keep an open mind with everybody, but realize that there's a lot of joy that we're having in solving these problems. You're a mother, and I know that being a mother in this industry is pretty wild. How did you balance all of that? Tell me about your organization, Moms Interrupted, and what it's like to see other women in the industry, in motherhood. Yeah, it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a disaster zone for the <laughs> You know, it's interesting though. Before, again, with the silver linings, like before the pandemic, I always felt like I had to hide my motherhood because I thought anytime I had to go do something or be somewhere or I couldn't travel on tour because I wanted to be at home, you know, that was like showing my not even vulnerability. Like it was like a some kind of a mark of like incapability in some way, and being at home and seeing other people have to wrangle their families in the background, men and women and everyone has been amazing. Cause now I have to say like, okay, this is the time I go to preschool pickup. That's non-negotiable. I cannot take a meeting at this time. You know, it's just, I have to draw lines now. Whereas before I would constantly be making either excuses or like pushing my limits where I wasn't able to be around as much at home right. when I to be because I felt this need to make sure I was putting up a wall of like confidence <laughs> in a way that is like stupid. And so I think that's been really, really empowering. And certainly to be working with other mothers, we have like a group within WIM called Moms in Music that we're rolling out. And again, like songwriters and 
entertainment attorneys, like all of these subgroups so that people can really network in a more facilitated way because the organization is so big. So kind of drilling down a little bit. And like, it is amazing to be working with all of these other women who also have a shit show in their background going on all day long. Um, or, you know, if it's <laughs> one day and have to cancel a meeting, like they don't have to make that excuse. They can just say like, I'm off the grid today. I can't do this. And to just have that network, not only to like lean on, but also to bring business to other women who have like all of these other facets of their life that are so interesting. You know, I get to work with people and learn more about them and their experience and their lives outside of music. And it just kind of grows those bonds and strengthens those bonds and certainly like shows that they can put up with what they're dealing with all day. I will say as someone who's looking at the prospect of having children myself in the near future, the tone, I would love for it to change a little bit to where we're making room and it shouldn't even be said that we're discouraging them, but we should be encouraging that that role in the women that we're seeing in music. And that's wonderful work to connect moms in the industry with each other, not feeling alone. Cause I do think that there's this inclination that we have as women to take it all on. And my ability to set boundaries is terrible as a 32 year old woman. I still am working on that. And I think that that's part of becoming more mature. And I think the perspective that having a child does lend to you. You all of a sudden realize I need to be selfish to be selfless right? a little bit every now and then. And I also like have to say, I was speaking to a manager of producers and artists who I'd been trying to connect with for a while around women and music stuff. And we started talking about the fact that we were both moms of four-year-olds and we got into this conversation and found out we had both had a very similar pregnancy loss in our past. I had had a stillbirth. She had had a loss around the same time, which is something that's like incredibly rare, but certainly to connect with someone within the music business who had been through this particular trauma. And like, mm-hmm. we bonded forever now. Like we, we were able to like come together and not only have that really intimate conversation and experience together, but also like now want to work together on all of these other things because we have this shared experience. And I think that's Absolutely. something that's really beautiful with women is like not only opening up about the conversation about all of the complications that come with being a woman, deciding to be a parent in music, fertility challenges, like all of the other insane stuff that we have to put up with, but then making that kind of a power that connects us more than anything is really important. I felt an unbreakable bond with every woman that I've had on this show thus far, because as we're just navigating through their story, there's so many things that resonate with me. And I do think that if we share those experiences, we're, we're going to be stronger for it, but especially an experience like that. And also just the inequity of mortality rates in black indigenous people of color and white people, the discrepancy is still a problem too, very much so. So more discussions about that are good. Yes. You're awesome. Well, anything else that you want to add? I'm not going to ask you which baseball team is your favorite since I know you're New York born and you're in Boston now. Yeah, I read that in your bio, baseball agnostic. (laughs) I love that. I get a lot of crap from both sides. Um, (laughs) No, I would just say like anyone who's- You're Switzerland. I'm Switzerland, exactly. Um, (laughs) Anyone who's interested in getting involved in women in music, like we are an all volunteer organization. So we literally get emails from people who are like, I want to get involved in this so-and-so and so. And like, you may think you're just emailing a random account, but you're not because we're seeing it. And I will rope you in so quickly. <laughs> One of our teams, it's just an incredible network of brilliant, brilliant people who run this organization. 
and fuel all our work and like also network within our own communities and grow together. And it's like so much of the reason I was able to go out and become an artist manager on my own because I had the WIM network. So really tap us for anything anyone needs and get involved and be part of the push. I can't wait to become more involved with WIM. And I usually finish this show by asking, you know, instead of focusing on a disadvantage of being a woman in the industry, what are the advantages? But I feel like you've already answered that question. It's all these amazing women and men who've joined forces with you to help you continue this good work. So if you have anything else you'd like to add. Yeah, I think there are just endless advantages. I think that when I started out, I saw myself as like an underdog and that was like as a white woman. So you can only imagine um, what most sure. in this business, but I think that like now I feel that there's nothing more powerful than being a woman in this business. It's the right time. Like I am on all female teams all the time, just by accident, because there are so many more women in the business and so many more kind of ways to amplify women and celebrate one another and grow together. And I was asked the other day if like ageism is a factor. And that's another thing, like the older I get, the more powerful I feel that is not a thing. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, for artists alike, like we have to get to a place where we're all supporting one another's career through the entire stretch as far as we go, rather than assuming you hit a certain age and you hit a block. I think that that's no longer going to be the case looking ahead. And if anything, like the experience and the power that you kind of build upon as you go is an advantage more than anything. Well, that is a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with the inspiring Nicole Barcelona. And I hope you feel inspired yourself to become a part of this movement that Women in Music has begun. Go to womenandmusic.org and see how you can get involved with the initiative. And you can keep up with me, my music, and my touring calendar on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at I am Maggie Rose. All of my tour dates with Them Vibes and Dylan Hardigan are available at MaggieRoseMusic.com. And there's a few shows that I'm really looking forward to. We have Hulaween, which is this awesome festival around Halloween, hence the name. And then we also have a New Year's Eve show that we're really looking forward to at Del Mar Hall in St. Louis. So bring in 2022 with us. But if you can't make it to those, we have a ton of dates from now till the end of the year that we'd love to see you at. And also follow me on With The Band. I love connecting with you guys on there. There's a lot of special exclusive content and just special sauce. And it really feels like this wonderful little community that we've started. So check me out on With The Band. Salute the Songbird is brought to you by Osiris Media. It's hosted by me, Maggie Rose. Produced by Austin Marshall, Maggie Rose, Kirsten Cluthy, and Brad Stratton. Editing by Justin Thomas at Revoice Media. Music by Maggie Rose. Show logo by Premier Music Group. Graphics by Catherine Boyles. Please subscribe to Salute the Songbird on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast content. And if you like the show, recommend it to a friend or leave us a review so that others can join the conversation. Thanks for listening. And to close out the show, since Nicole doesn't have any music of her own, you have from Have a Seat, my very own You Got Today.
Osiris. Osiris.